Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Maximize Your Influence. My name is Kurt Mortensen. This is episode 196. Thanks for your feedback and support. Thanks to those in Boston that we did the seminar. Uh, great feedback, great time, great information. We'll review that another time because today we have a special guest. Anthony Anarino is here. Anthony, welcome. Thanks for having me, Kurt. Good to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. So a little bit about Anthony. He's an author, an international speaker, entrepreneur, sales leader. He writes and publishes daily at thesalesblog.com, and he produces a daily video blog at youtube.com slash That's where you can find out, and we'll post all that on the website so you have access to all that. But we're glad to have you and talk about the principles of influence and as we all know, everything we want in life is on the other side of persuasion, influence, and sales. It's one of those critical life skills. And so get ready to take some notes, get some great information today. But as you know, we got to get started with the question of the day. Let's ask Anthony, in your opinion, what is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? I, I don't think that this is opinion. I think this is fact, Kurt. <laughs> the, the, there are a number of vegetables that belong on this list, but you cannot top the beet. Uh, the beet serves no purpose. It, it ruins everything it comes in contact with, changing the color. It is not flavorful in any positive uh, manner of the word, and it should be banned from all sorts of food, including salads. It has to go. It's the beet. It's the beet. I felt the passion about the beet. You want that one to go. And I'll agree on the beet. They have that purple thing oozing, that purple juice on your plate. And yeah, oh, beet. It's beet just not good. Nothing, no no value. So, uh, listeners, if you have a different opinion, let us know. But beet is up there, probably top 10 worst vegetable. But, Anthony, as you're out there, and I know you're in sales and you train salespeople and you're out there monitoring this. In your opinion, what is the biggest sales blunder right now, the biggest mistake? What do you feel is people are doing that maybe is old school or you keep seeing again and again that we need to fix real fast? They lead with their product and their company instead of leading with something of strategic value to the client that they're talking to. And what I mean by this is that we're all very much in love with our company. We love our product, our service, our solutions. But we come in and we think that telling the client the story about our company and telling the, the client the story about our products and our services and showing them a big chart of all the logos that we've won is going to convince them. And that's why us but it's not why change. And the starting point for a conversation with a client, a prospective client is, why should I do something different than I'm doing now? And when you start at the other end, you just get commoditized and you're gonna look and sound like everyone else. And you're gonna end up being asked to discount your price because if that's all you've got, you're not worth paying more for. Yeah, you're just another one of the many that has the same type of thing without distinguishing yourself. So that's that's good information. I think on the service level, many salespeople know that, but it's kind of like their default setting to start vomiting all the awards, like you says, or the product, the greatest thing in the world. And it's good that salespeople believe in their product, you know, they're a product of the product. I mean, that's critical. How do you get them to switch gears and, and start off on the right foot? 
it's interesting because it's a hard shift for people to make, but it's mostly because they know these things. They know why the client should change, but they only know it at the surface level. So they can just talk about, well, if you're having problems with this, then we could help you. But you need to get up a level from that and say, strategically, what is that preventing? Is it preventing them from capturing greater market shares? Is it preventing them from being able to be as profitable as they should be? And so you have to go up and look at the big trends. What are the big trends? How should they be responding to these? And what are the real drivers behind the drivers? So if you think about somebody like in a contact center, if they're not deeply connected to the idea that service is going to be done over Twitter or Facebook and that the millennials specifically are going to go directly to YouTube to find a walkthrough of whatever your product is, and then they're going to go to your Twitter uh, page and start complaining to you, you don't know what the future looks like. And that's the thing. I continually tell sales organizations, Kurt, that you need two things to be a trusted advisor. You need trust and you need advice. It's a simple two-part recipe that doesn't include beets, by the way. And uh, <laughs> you you need both parts of the recipe. So if you don't have the advice, if you're not a peer, if you can't sit next to your client as a peer and, and give them good sound advice, then... Um, that's a challenge. So th that's what salespeople need to be prepared to do. And it's a matter of making sure you can have that conversation. Oh, that's great advice. And I like the concept of trusted advisor. And we've spent many episodes talking about the concept of trust. We, we all know that there's no trust, there's no sell, there's no persuasion. But I like how you added advisor. How do you get salespeople to switch from being the salesperson to being the advisor, being the person that they look at to, hey, they're going to give me the right advice. They're going to steer me in the right direction. You have to have deep business acumen and you've got to have subject matter expertise or what I would call situational knowledge. You have to have a set of experiences. And you know what? It's it's the sales leader's job to help them have the set of experiences that allow somebody to grow into that. But at the same time, if you're a rep, you have to pick up your end of the stick, too, which means you need to read journals. You need to interview your prospective clients and clients from a space that I need to understand. What do people like me need to know about your business and how do I create value for you? But that is a growth opportunity for all of us. How do you continue to grow so you can have the experiences and know how to have these conversations? When I was young, my strategy was when I didn't know anything about business was I would go to business leaders and just say, help me understand your business and help me understand what somebody like me would need to be able to do to help you that would make me worth doing business with. And then they would teach me their business. And then, you know, you talk to five or six logistic firms and they all talk about throughput and they all talk about what do you do with less than truckloads when you don't have a full staff to do that. And you walk in and you say, hey, what are you guys thinking about throughput? And people are like, wow, this guy knows about throughput. He must come from our world. And it's because you did the work to understand their world so you can come in and give them advice. I like that. I mean, that, that personal development, learning about the industry, the company, you mentioned journals, interviews, websites. Is there any other place that you could mention that they can go to to get that knowledge? The people that already have it on your team. The best way is to find somebody who's already got that and ride with them and go on sales calls with them and listen to their language and then write it down in a journal and ask them, help me understand what you were thinking when you said this and what did you expect to happen? And uh, I mean, that's the very best way is to figure out who's already got what you want and then go to them to get it. In your opinion, these top producers, they have this situational knowledge. If people are just getting started, they're not sure where to get it, they talk to them. I've noticed these people are more than willing to, to share that information, that insight with them, but they rarely get asked. Have you seen that too? All the time. You know what? They, they're flattered when they're asked, and they're happy to teach people how to think about the business. You just have to go and do the work. 
I hope everyone caught that. They're happy. They're flattered. They want to help. They probably learned the hard way, and it's easier for you to come and talk to them, take them to lunch, do something, get that knowledge. And you could probably learn it on your own, but wow, what a great shortcut to find someone who's already learned it and in a lunch can teach you that information in a couple of minutes. And so that's great advice that everyone can take away. No matter what your industry, no matter what you do, go to those that's already figured it out so you don't have to figure it out on your own is great advice. So, Anthony, tell me, in your opinion, what is the difference between influence and persuasion? There's uh, some subtleties here that are worth talking about, Kurt. In my opinion, we all have choices. And from my perspective, force is the least powerful choice that we can make. And as a salesperson, as a leader, when you're using tricks and tactics like tie-downs or when you're actually using your authority if you're a leader to get something done, then you're actually making the weakest choice possible. And the better choices tend to be persuasion. Better than persuasion is influence, and better than influence is inspiration. And persuasion means I'm going to use logic. I'm going to use something rational that you understand to convince you that this is the right thing to do and that you should be taking action on it. And that is way, way better than manipulation or coercion or force. But it's just the beginning because what's better than persuasion, in my view, is influence. And influence means you're somebody that has the kind of character. You're somebody that has the kind of gravitas, the depth that I'm naturally going to follow you without you having to persuade me because your example is so strong and because your trust is so high that it's very easy for me to do what you're recommending specifically because I can look at you and say you're other-oriented, which means you're focused on helping other people. You're of really high character and integrity. You have the depth to be able to advise, and so it's very easy for me to follow you. And there are people like this that we recognize in the world where they're influential because when you look at them, you say, this is the right person for me to follow in this regard. And then one step higher from that is inspiration. And these, these are people who their example and their words and their deeds go even beyond that of influence to where you're inspired to take action without anybody saying anything just by having looked at them. And I'll share a quick story with you. I lost a, a good friend who was the vice president of Toastmasters when I was the president of the Toastmasters Club in my city. And his name was Tracy. And he we lost him to pancreatic cancer last week. But Tracy was negative as a young person. And at some point, something happened to him and he flipped the switch and he became positive. And he started wearing a name tag every day. And the name tag didn't have his name on it. The name tag would have a word like courage or empathy or love or caring, but always something super positive. And I'm talking about weekends. There was always a name tag on because he, he set his intention for that day and he wrote it down on a cheap, sticky name tag and wore it around. He was a coach at a university and at his funeral this weekend, thousands of people that he coached who wouldn't have gone to college or wouldn't have finished college or would have struggled to take care of their family while they went to school at night were all helped by Tracy. And what I recognized about his name tag was that it was a challenge. It was to say, how can you be the best version of you today? And here's one idea you might act on. And his example was so strong, it inspired other people to break through their barriers and to be better. And and that's who we really want to follow is somebody like that. That's inspiration. Oh, good point. Thanks for sharing that story. And listeners, <laughs> I hope you grab that because you could do the force, the short term, but when you have that influence, the inspiration, even the charisma where people want to be around you, they want to be influenced by you. And, and it lasts a lot longer because force is very short term. I mean, 
think it was Al Capone that said, you can get pretty far with a nice word, but you get much further with a nice word and a gun. <laughs> Not that you want to use that, but it's, it's very short term and people don't like it and you get instant rebellion many times. And that's a good point. So take a look at the different levels of persuasion, influence, inspire people to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it. Those are key aspects of your success. So another question, Anthony, and I know you talked about this in your book, uh, The Only Sales Guide You Ever Need, about diagnosing. What do you feel is the best way to get below the surface? Because there's those knee-jerk reactions, the prospect lies, they don't want to reveal the information, they don't want to show you their cards. I mean, we've all been through that. How do you get below that to really get them to open up and, and be able to diagnose them? Well, there's a number of things, and that that's a complicated question. But first, you have to be non-judgmental, which means... I have to give you space to be willing to share it. And Kurt, if you've made sales calls um, for as long as we have, what you find is that initially when you come in and you say, listen, tell me what kind of challenges you're having, then you almost require the client to start defending. I mean, they're, they're like, oh, no, everything's really good here right now. We've had this partner for a long time. And it forces them to defend a decision that they made to bring that person in. But when you start exploring and you just say, tell me about your business, tell me about what kind of initiatives you have right now, and you give them a safe space, then they can open up and start talking to you more about what's really going on. But that, that's one strategy. The other thing I would tell you is important is to go uh, up and down vertical, north and south in the organization. If you start high, go low. If you start low, go high, because you want to get a lot of different views of the problem. And in the book, I talk about the military concept of the ground truth. The general behind the lines has a view of the battle, but the people that are on the front lines have a very different view of the battle and will need something different and will give you a very different idea about what that need is. So I think if you want to serve the whole organization, you go north and south through the org chart and you go east and west and you find out what it really looks like so that you can get to the root cause. What's the real issue behind the issue so that you have a good shot of doing something about it? You don't want to treat the presenting problem. You want to treat the root cause. Instead of just looking at the surface, you're going to the root cause. So another thing, too, we've talked a lot about the show, about the self-persuasion, the mindset, obviously, and you, you've talked about self-discipline in your book, and that's a deep science, and we could spend all day on that one, but what do you think is the main thing people are missing right now to be more self-disciplined, to be able to persuade themselves? What do you think's missing? When they dis determine what they want to do and when they're going to do something, they start at a very, very transactional view of what they have to do, and by that I mean they look at their to-do list. And that's just a terrible place to start. And uh, I'll give you sort of a ranking. To get beyond your to-do list, you need to look at your project list. And when you look at the projects that you're working on, you'll eliminate a good deal of the tasks that you have to do because some projects are worth more than others. And if you move up another level to goals and you look at goals, you'll realize that most of the projects don't really matter towards your goals. So you can move that list down to a finite number of things that are worth your time and attention. And then if you move up to roles and you say, what am I doing here? I'm a father, I'm a business owner, whatever, then even most of those goals start to disappear. And then finally, when you get up and look at this through the lens of purpose and meaning, why am I on this planet? Almost everything disappears and you get total clarity on what you should really be spending your time on. For you to have the discipline to produce great results over the course of your short life, you want to look and say, what is the most important thing for me to do? Not what's the most urgent thing or what would I like to do or what tasks from this list should I choose? You have to get up to a, a higher vantage point to get a bigger view because later on, 
this is the first time I've said this out loud, but I've written it down because it's going to go into a book. If you're comfortable dying with all the emails in your inbox right now, you should be comfortable living with all of those emails in your inbox right now. If they don't deserve your attention right now, they don't deserve your attention later. And you have to make decisions about what's most important. I'm not saying don't answer your email. I'm just saying don't live in your email. Live someplace where you're doing meaningful, purposeful work that's going to make you proud of of what you did in your short time here. That's a great way to look at it, ways to prioritize your life. I mean, sometimes we're spending time on things that really aren't that important, and that puts it into perspective. So let me ask you this. What have I missed? What is the one thing you want our listeners to know about being more successful or being more successful in sales? I would tell you that the success is an audit. That's what it really is. And success audits you by looking at this. Are you doing the work? Are you putting forth the effort? Are you consistent about it? Are you determined and have you stayed the course long enough? Do you really want this? And and how can I tell? And if you think about this, if somebody from the outside was looking at you and you said, I really want this outcome, if they watched you on video for a full day, would they look and say, this is a person who's doing the work to create this result? Or would they say, that person spent far too much time on Facebook looking at cat videos? And um, I mean, and, and that's it. If your success doesn't really discriminate, it doesn't care what color you are, it doesn't care about the circumstances of your birth, it only cares about are you doing the work to pay for what you want in advance and to pay for it in full? Because once you do that work, you'll have what you want, but not until then. Darn cat videos. (laughs) Sucking the time from people and getting away from their focus. That's a great point. So, wow, that's great information. I hope listeners you've you've pulled from that so anthony where can our <laughs> listeners find out more about you and what you do the best place to go is the salesblog.com and when you go there uh, sign up for the newsletter you can find that at the salesblog.com forward slash newsletter perfect the salesblog.com great place to go get on the newsletter uh, get on his podcast get some great information the more you learn about persuasion and influence, it'll change every aspect of your life. Thanks for listening. You can find us at MaximizeYourInfluence.com or at Facebook, Maximize Your Influence. Like us on iTunes and go out and persuade with power.